Hey, my friends, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. I paused there for a brief second because I'm also sort of like half joined by Patrick Mooney. He's here-ish with us, but he's going to have to like slide in mid uh, podcast some point. He's working on an audio issue, but that's all right. Sahadev and I can carry the load until then. Uh, and I mean, I'm just going to just fire us off right out of the gate because it's probably what's at the top of most Cubs fans' minds, I think. And it's the that, you know, Javi Baez is clearly completely 100% back. You know, he had one amazing game and it's over. Don't bother having a conversation about any scary underlying peripherals. He's back. <laughs> right, Sahadev? You know what? I, I mean, when, <laughs> when doesn't Javi Baez have scary underlying peripherals? I mean, anytime he's even doing well there, Tom's like, well, none of this makes sense, but Javi's locked in and hitting the ball far. So I, I, I for me, like when he starts, when, when you see that game like you did yesterday, yeah, he's he's getting back to what he's supposed to be. Uh, I wrote this a week ago, maybe or so, but his his issues were like one of his one of the glaring issues was that he was missing breaking balls in the zone. Like Javi Baez crushes breaking balls in the zone. Feasts uh, on those mistakes in the zone. And what did he do yesterday? He he just destroyed two breaking balls in the zone that were just left in there. I think they were both breaking balls. Maybe one was a changeup, but uh, the, the one to right center was a changeup. Was it okay? So off speed pitches in general, though. I mean, he he usually matches those, and he he got that one. Uh, he got both of them going up. was big. Uh, there were some signs that he was kind of getting out of it, just having good at bats, just uh, getting good results in that last game, right? Against the, he was on base. He hit the double before Schwarber's homer on Sunday. So little things like that help him. Uh, I think, it, you know, it, I, I obviously we want to see more. We want to see how hot he can get if it's real, but for him, just get locked in for one game. It really seemed like timing to me. It didn't seem like much else other than timing. Get get that timing right and, you know, ball go far. Maybe so. I mean, I, I do agree with you in general that uh, with Javi, we've always known that he can, even within the span of a single game, look totally lost and then just be so locked in and crush one. Um, but, you know, what we had seen so far this year felt a little different. Uh, and maybe that's just because it was very easy for us to narratively explain that this year is different. And so it's easy for guys to be off. Um, and we know, like we talked about in the last episode, how important this year is for Baez in terms of his career path. And you had the situation where he was taking a, an uncommonly large volume of pitches in the strike zone. He, like you said, was just constantly missing those fat meatball hangers that he usually destroys. Um, and his ground ball rate was through the roof for him. Yeah. All, all, to me, kinds of signals of either timing being off, like you said, or maybe some early pitch recognition issues. Um, and I don't know that we're going to know the answer. And hopefully we never know the answer because Javi just stays locked in right now. Um, but... I think I think we would all agree. Let's see. It, it would neither surprise us if he just is is back and he's balling from here, nor would it be like okay, you know what? That was there were some matchups and some pitch locations that just kind of worked out for him, but it's it's still a bit of a process. That's what you would expect for 
lefty, a typical hitter yeah. in Major League Baseball. You don't you don't have every single data point under the hood looking like total garbage. No offense, but for the first you know month and a half of a season, and then it's like instantaneously the results ex- explode to some you know super high level. You just don't. That doesn't really happen unless you're Javi Baez, and then it's sort of like I kind of wouldn't. I just wouldn't put that past him as something that could actually happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've gotten used to Hobby looking off, uh, the numbers not making sense, and then all of a sudden locking in. And the, like you said, the, I mean, the underlying number is still like, okay, this uh, a normal player should not be doing well with these underlying numbers. Somehow he's the freak, he's the rarity. Uh, he goes beyond the numbers and there's something, you know, that just happens that he can lock in that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, he's just a special player like that. So you have to appreciate it. Right. Was that your hobby baseball card? What was that there? It was see <laughs> how perfect is that? Mooney slides back in right on that spot when I was, uh, cause you know, we do these zoom call and you guys can't see, but I just happen to have on the top of a stack of baseball cards on my desk. It's boom. It's Javi. We're talking about Javi and he's right there on the top of my deck. Fancy. <laughs> so uh okay so let's leave let's leave Javi there because I mean it's it's one it's not quite one game because I agree to Zadev that you started to see maybe those little little bits in the games that preceded it but I think that we would all agree we want to see what the approach looks like what the contact looks like for the next few days before we can really comment too um broadly but I think that it brings us to what is an interesting broader conversation Maybe maybe we'll start. Let's start with the bases loaded thing. Have we talked about the? I mean, it's a thing, and, and I don't know that we've actually <laughs> talked about it yet. Yeah. But it is. It went from sort of early joke to medium sort of. That's boy. That's weird. What a fluky yeah. thing. To now over. You know, at last check, it's forty-one plate appearances the Cubs have had with the bases loaded already this year. That is one of the largest totals in baseball. So you are not crazy if you feel like you've seen the Cubs load the bases a ton of times this year. And to date, they, by weighted runs created plus, nice general measure of offensive success, uh, have a 14 right now with the bases loaded, which is 86% worse than the production you would expect from the average hitter in the average situation. Note, teams tend to dramatically outperform their typical results with the bases loaded because there is extra stress on the pitcher, there's nowhere to put the batter, they're in the zone more, and there is no shifting. So uh, that is to say, the fact that the Cubs have been 86% worse than the average uh, batter in the average situation with bases loaded, whether it's predictive or not, and I'll, I'll turn it to you for that, Sahadev, but uh, it your instinct on what you've been watching has been spot on. It has been shockingly eye-poppingly horrible. Yeah. I just quickly looked at the numbers, no extra base hits with, with the bases loaded. Not Uh, you look at, I mean, you mentioned, I think you mentioned weighted runs created plus uh, their split OPS is 10 uh, (laughs) there. So, so it's, it's similar to that weighted runs created plus, I mean, it's, it's weird. I think it's randomness. I think there's a little bit of, uh, combination of randomness when we I think I asked Ross about it just like do you have an explanation for this (laughs) like not like you know not really like expecting much and he's like yeah I I think it's you know it's randomness I would like I don't it's not like we don't want them to load the bases right they want to have the bases loaded that's a good thing 
keep loading the bases. I think they had it twice yesterday. Again, bases loaded. I think both situations were two Thrice. outs. Was it all with all with two outs? No, one turned into a double play. One was out, <laughs> and one David David Bodie single, got a single. Yes. Okay, which by the way, he was the guy who had their last hit with the bases loaded almost a week ago. Just so. It's it's completely over the top and it's uh, very frustrating. I'm sure for fans. I think just keep loading the bases. It's going to happen. I do. I need to dig in specifically on bases loaded, but uh, with uh, the piece that I wrote today about how they're not taking advantage of being ahead, they're not seeing a ton of fastballs when they're ahead, even which doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're not seeing. I think they just don't see a lot of fastballs in general. My guess is uh, teams kind of know to stay away from the fastball with this team. I think it's been. I need to double check this stuff, but from my memory and what I've written in the past few years, I think that's a pretty common thing that the teams have learned go breaking ball. It doesn't matter if you're behind. It's a trend in baseball in general, right? A lot more breaking balls being thrown. Uh, The Cubs need to adjust. We've said this forever. Uh, I think there are certain players that they have in the lineup that can handle that. Uh, It's a little odd that David Bodie is the one to get those base hits since he's, uh, he really struggles with breaking balls in general. Uh, so yeah, I think it's randomness. I would say, you know, who knows how many more times they're going to get the bases loaded. Baseball's weird and there's not many, there's what 32 games left. Who knows what the hell happens, but I would expect that that number better go up. If it continues to go down, that's, Oh, that's just an ugly situation. Yeah. I keep, I think it was Ross who said it sort of like, what would the narrative be if we weren't in first place? Like what if we were in second or third or fourth? And I think Theo had responded to your question, Sada, by saying something like, well, by definition, our offense has done enough to win. And while, you know, there are certain nights, you know, I mean, when the White Sox were just, you know, crushing the ball, like taking batting practice at Wrigley, like it does look bad. And some of these numbers, uh, while beneath the surface, it is different uh than in years past uh, as the hot apes piece outlined it's still kind of this same feeling of people just venting on twitter like oh this offense again and um you know i think ross to his credit and this is kind of you know what, what joe madden would say too of just like you know we need these guys to be good to be good like there's kind of just no way around this like you can't build a team around chris bryant and have him you know missing for weeks at a time and Javi with like a sub 600 OPS and Wilson Contreras striking out like 30 to 40% of the time. And Schwarber, you know, being maybe a, an average major league hitter instead of like a good one, like there's just kind of no way around it. And I think it's kind of surprising that David Bodie has stepped up this way because I kind of felt his year last year while good on paper was not at all what the Cubs expected. Like he was supposed to hit left-handed pitching. He didn't. Uh, he's supposed to be this great, reliable fielder, and last year he wasn't. Um, and so the fact that they are getting these contributions, I would think it should like even out over the next uh, several weeks. But um, you know, I guess we can't really make too many uh, assumptions or predictions in 2020 right now. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about that as a concept coming into the season that there's not going to be enough time in a year like this for that old true trope in baseball that eh, sort of evens out in the end and true talent tends to win out like that's just not necessarily going to happen this year 
Um, let's, uh, I, I want to touch on some things related to that and then get into some rotation conversation. Uh, but real quick, let's hear a word from our sponsor. So uh, as we were saying, I think that you're not necessarily going to have enough time this year for the for things to even out. Um, I did think it was fun that with the one big Javi Baez game, I mean, he went from a 60 weighted runs created plus to 81 in, in a single game, which underscores not only just how short this season is. Like you, I mean, we <laughs> look. It's our it's our job to do to write and to do these podcasts and these things, but I mean. Just, I'm just I'm just being honest with you, friendly folks listening. We are hamstrung horribly by not being able to have like the standard length of season uh, through which to view what stats are going to mean or not mean. And so um, I think that that, too, is going to make conversations like the one we were having about the bases loaded or even um, Sadev's great piece on what the Cubs are doing at the plate in certain counts, how they're getting to certain counts, the pitches that they are receiving in those counts. It, it's all meritorious conversation, but we would be the first to say there, there's just this huge context that overlays all of it, which is that, well, maybe things would have adjusted in month three. There is no month three, so don't know. Um, any any last bits on that, guys, before we kind of transition to want to comment on, on a couple pitchers coming back to the Cubs? Uh, I mean, I just say that there is a month three and the Cubs are going to be playing in it in all likelihood, right? For three uh, games, yeah, like we maybe. Have, yeah, but all all they need to do is is get Chris Bryan healthy and locked in for a, a a week before that, right? I mean, this season is so weird and so random. I, I understand everybody's uh, hand wringing about these same issues, and I I agree. Like I even wrote it at one point. I'm like, this is getting so ins- like I'm getting sick of writing about this. this. is a chore, but I like I like to dig into it. But it's also like, oh, it's the same garbage uh, with this offense, and it's frustrating. But all they need is to, like to get locked in for a month and we've seen them do that and they can win the world series in this weird weird season and they're going to make the playoffs we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of competition uh, they if they can handle the higher level competition outside the central divisions because i mean come on the dodgers are on another level than everybody in baseball pretty much i want to see how they do against them if they ever get the chance the twins will be an interesting uh matchup but just in general i mean this like you said it's so hard to really break it down because it's going to be all about hot streaks come october i want to set i want to see what you guys think in terms of the over under for number of minutes for theo's end of season press conference <laughs> if they you know get caught and finish in second and then they lose, you know, score four runs in three games in the playoffs or something like that. I think he went, I don't know, it was a range of like 75 and then maybe like 81 last year. So I think, you know, this year maybe it would be like 94 minute Zoom or something like that. <laughs> well, and a warning to you guys, to to your point, Sahadev, that dovetails with what Mooney's saying about Theo's end of season presser. Thanks to the pandemic and the impact that it had on the timing of things and the finances of things and the availability of trades, it's going to be the same roster next year. It's going to be the same offense next year. So get get ready for, cool. for more of the same in that regard in terms of the hand-wringing and what have you. Um, okay, uh, I want to do uh, make a little, little mention here for another one of our sponsors. Well, I've got a moment before we transition. And it is, uh, it's our sponsor, Manscaped. 
you know, you've heard from them before. I love to share my thoughts about Manscaped, uh, keeping your hair looking nice and trimmed, feeling, you know, fully supported in a manly way. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. I did not come up with that line, but I approve of it. Uh, in fact, it, what the, so I'm a Manscaped user myself, a thing that I genuinely like about it. Uh, so I've been using it for, uh, I don't know, almost a year now. And unlike prior uh, escapades with with the grooming that maybe led to some uh, minor damaging effects, it turns out you can't use like the the regular trimmer, you know, on your your beard. Like you got an electric, you guys have like thick, lush beards, so you probably don't use electric shavers at all. But uh, I have a rather more demure uh, face covering, so I can use an electric shaver. And they've got like the regular attachment. Uh, you can't use that down downstairs. Don't. You, you'll get a little. You get a little cut. But you know when you won't get a little cut? Manscaped. Never have. It's been about a month, uh, twelve months, and I haven't. So listen. Get yours. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com. That's get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com. And you and I can swap stories about how we no longer have those uh, horrifying nicks in the worst possible place. So, coming off of that to the Cubs rotation, which is now back to full strength, uh, even fuller strength, right? Because today is Tuesday, and Tyler Chatwood returns from the IL. He had a back strain uh, that led to a start being scratched. He actually hasn't started now in, what, two and a half weeks. Um, And Jose Quintana returns to the Cubs now, finally, after ramping back up, owing to his preseason thumb injury. He will join the bullpen. Uh, I am. I cannot wait to see how he is deployed in the bullpen. I think there is a ton of potential value. We have been talking about that possibility since like before the season began, um, because actually what ended up playing out was sort of a dream scenario, right? It was that the five guys that they ended up breaking camp with all look kind of good, and you want to keep them in the rotation. And then what do you do with Quintana? Like it actually happened, and that's that's where we are right now. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by their starting rotation and the depth. I know it's not super deep with young, exciting talent, but I mean, you talk about the five that they have in the rotation now. You're adding Quintana back in. Colin Ray has looked good out of the bullpen, uh, and then Alzali looked great in his one start. I mean, that's, I think that's eight starters that, I mean, that's, that's a very interesting dynamic there. It's they, they suddenly have a starting pitching depth. I mean, it was, Theo was so honest when Q went down about how, yeah, I'm concerned. We don't have a lot of starting pitching depth. It's an issue for us. And it's the one area we were worried about if we had an injury and now suddenly they've had these guys come up and, and kind of show that, yeah, we can, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if Colin Ray can go out there and give you seven shutout innings, right? He he looks like he he has a solid role in the bullpen though as a at least as a multi inning guy he can eat up those innings at times when you're leading big or down big as well and that's that's a value that's value valuable in some sense but it's it, suddenly it's there's depth I'm curious to see what Quintana does I'm curious to see how they deploy everybody uh, particularly tonight my guess uh, you know I don't want to just guess what Rossi's doing but. There's a solid chance that he'd probably put Quintana in today following Chatwood. I mean, that would make sense. And it's just going to be interesting to see how they how they put everything together. And it 
it actually suddenly went from this this huge question mark to everybody's healthy now. Uh, and if Chatwood looks anything like he did before he went down, uh, this is this is a really strong group. And and you know your weakest link is John Lester. And I know I know that uh, he had a terrible outing on Friday, but that's not so bad. I mean, that's a guy that's going to with his stuff diminished it the way it is. He's going to have bad outings against freaking insane White Sox lineup that you make a mistake. It's going to be 450 feet. So I like suddenly the, my biggest question mark for me was their starting rotation. I was really worried about that coming into the season. It it suddenly looks like you shouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs got what uh, double headers coming up this Saturday and then the following Saturday. And I think, this depth we're talking about could kind of evaporate uh, very quickly, but certainly this is like an all hands on deck season. And I think Ross and his coaching staff have been pretty uh, open-minded. Obviously there's not uh, a ton of experience that uh, Ross can draw from uh, in the kind of manager seat here. And I'd imagine that, between R and D, their pitching infrastructure, um, the the people on the ground in South Bend, that I think they have a pretty good idea of kind of what they want to do. And I think credit to Quintana, who uh, you know, really his entire time in Chicago, both with the Cubs and the White Sox, has been kind of you know beloved for his professionalism, uh, his demeanor. Uh, I know people will endlessly debate. Uh, that trade, but you know, until this injury, uh, he had been you know just extremely durable and healthy, uh, you know, really well regarded by his teammates for you know a, a lot of different reasons. I think well, he's gonna you know kind of show us here you know down the stretch that you know in kind of pandemic baseball that could be a really uh, valuable weapon, even though it's kind of going to be deployed in a non traditional way. It's potentially reminiscent of uh, maybe this is super facile because it's another lefty but I think about when um, not the partial year that he arrived but Mike Montgomery's first full year with the Cubs where you had a guy who was just very able um, to come out of the pen for a long appearance not quite a piggyback per se but a um, and in fact I think this happened with Tyler Chatwood, where if it's a short outing and you want to try to stay in the game and you want to give the other side a very different look, um, you bring in a, a lefty that's giving you just a very different style of pitching from the other side of the rubber. Um, it, it can really give teams fits. And I have thought about that for many years with the success that the Brewers have had in having like sort of have these starting pitchers in their bullpen sort of constantly rotating in and out of the rotation getting you know they'd have these games where their starter goes four innings and then they have some dude come in and throw the last five and it's like how do they just that's how they make it work and I'm not saying that the Cubs bullpen is set up for that or that Jose Quintana is going to be that guy or that he and Chatwood will sort of like flip-flop around to do that kind of thing but it's just I don't know it's it's very compelling to me to have a true and real starting pitcher in the bullpen knowing that that might afford you a lot of in-game flexibility um and like Sahadev said particularly for tonight's game against the Tigers where 
you know, Chatwood hasn't started in a long time. He might only be out there for three or four innings. And although you could cover that with a couple innings from this guy, a couple innings from that guy, um, boy, it'd be nice to get Quintana in there for two times through the order. And then you're through seven plus innings from your two starting pitchers. Yeah. And have we even mentioned, uh, they don't have like a, you know, the questions with lefties out of the bullpen. And now suddenly they have another reliable lefty out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, no clue how, how Ross will use that uh, exactly. But I, I think it, it just it just changes the dynamic of the team. I'm very curious to see. I think, I mean, just in general, I want to see how Quintana looks, right? We, we've yeah, that, that too. I mean, like, it, we haven't seen him since spring training where he was really getting hit hard. And it was all about like, was that just purely I'm experimenting with the new grip on my changeup? I'm trying this. I'm not pitching like I normally would, you know, all that stuff. Is that what we were seeing? What has he worked on? What does he have? Like, how does he look? What's the velocity? You know, all these questions that we've had about Quintana over the years, we can maybe get some answers and see how he looks. I'm curious. I, I, I want to see like, especially like we never, I mean, his velocity dip over the years has been probably one of the bigger issues as far as uh, his stuff and, and you know, getting the results that he has. If he's got an extra tick or two out of the bullpen, it's just, it could look very different. Who knows? Yeah, I think we haven't really seen, you know, the best 28 Cubs kind of all together at once, and maybe that will never happen, and maybe that's kind of even in a normal season, maybe – that's kind of a, a dream that never materializes, but yeah, it's hard to think that, you know, seeing what Quintana's done in the past, what Azalei did, you know, during that start, the way, you know, Theo and Ross and other people in the Cubs organization talk about Azalei, I think it's certainly reasonable to think that this bullpen by September could look a lot different than the one that they were kind of throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see, um, what sticks and Brett, thank you for reminding me of Mike Montgomery. Cause I feel like that was always like a good, like kind of passive aggressive drama that we got to follow of how <laughs> like, yeah, he was great at it. And then his arm really, really hurt. And then he didn't like it and was like, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm sh- I'll do anything as long as maybe they could like communicate on what they want me to actually do. Like, so it was always this great kind of like, Coming to spring training, of course, yeah, I want to be a starter. Everyone wants to be a starter. And then it's like, we're going to stretch out Mike Montgomery. And then they inevitably just throw him to the bullpen. And it, you know, last year it did not work. But <laughs> certainly worked over the course of his time as a cup. Uh, fun, just Mike Montgomery thing that came across sort of my mental radar this past week with Dan Vogelbach former Cubs prospect being DFA'd by the Mariners, ultimately traded to the Blue Jays. I still have a lot of fun thinking about that trade tree where Vogelbach netted the Cubs Montgomery, uh, who obviously contributed to the World Series. Then Montgomery uh, was traded, uh, what, a couple of years later for uh, uh, Maldonado, who was traded for Tony Kemp who was traded for Alfonso Rivas, who is still with the Cubs. He's not at the South Bend thing, but a little, little, possible first base prospect down the line so you never know maybe he turns into someone else and this just it just keeps on spinning um cool so i think that um we'll probably know a lot more about um, what's going to happen with the double header this weekend what the roles might look like by the time we talk again with you folks um but it'll be fascinating to see chatwood quintana chat uh maybe taking the ball tonight um 
Keenwood. Mm, yeah, Chetan is better. Oh, you like Michael's <laughs> nodding. He likes Keenwood. It sounds like Keenwood, quinoa. Quinoa. Yeah, kind it's of like quinoa, quinoa that you make over an open flame in the wood. Oh, <laughs> going to have some artisanal Keenwood this evening. Um, so, folks, I hope you enjoy your artisanal Keenwood this evening, and I hope you enjoyed our podcast. This is Aunt Waveland. And uh, you fine folks can listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can tell your friends, tell your mom, leave us a nice uh, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will, back, we will be back at you later this week with another episode. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. I am Brett Taylor. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we thank you kindly. Take care, folks. Bye.